Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to Following On County Cricketer. Myself, John Norman from Talk Sport and Nick Friend from the Cricketer magazine, taking you through all the county action, uh, all the big stories that have taken place in and around the county scene uh, and looking back and looking forward, really. So much cricket to, to discuss. So uh, let's get underway with this week's Top Line. The Top Line. Well, I suppose the top line is that England have named their international T20 squad for the series against India and also the uh, Royal London ODI squad as well. There's a obvious, well, I suppose the big news since we last spoke, Owen Morgan uh, has uh, decided that he's had enough. He's had that moment of clarity. I attended the press conference actually with him um, and he spoke very eloquently, you know, very honestly and, uh, you know, from the heart actually, which was not something that he's renowned for. But uh, an end of an era. And, and and I suppose we often hark back to the uh, was it Gillette Trophy and the Texaco Trophy, Gillette Cup. And, you know, the days when limited overs domestic cricket was on our terrestrial screens on a weekend. But I mean, has outside of 1992, when England reached the final of the ODI, ODI World Cup, they obviously had done so in the 80s as well and, and earlier in the year. But has the stock of limited overs cricket, T20 and 50 over, domestic um, and international. Do you think it's ever been higher than what it is? No. Right now? <laughs> um, yeah. I think I, I think it's the end of an era. It's the end of, uh, to be honest, the very best era, isn't it? I mean, it seems strange to think that this gets underplayed, but I, I can't think of how many how many England captains have produced a world class. England national team in any sport, let alone cricket. I mean, you know, you, we've we've had winning teams. We've had teams that have got a very long way in tournaments, men, women, rugby, football, hockey, Olympics, track and field, anything. Have we ever had a, have we ever had a team that was as dominant as 
and still will, and will continue to be as dominant, possibly more dominant, as the one that we've had over the last seven years. And that's what's mental. It went from being this absolute laughing stock to within a series or two to sort of capturing such clarity of what it wanted to be and what it needed to be that it's just been just the biggest treat to watch, isn't it? And I always look back to my frame of reference for for the level of performance by by an England sports team is the World Cup semi-final 2019. I can't remember at a push, you'd say, I think rugby, I think the rugby semi-final against New Zealand a couple of years ago would be up there. But otherwise, have you ever seen an England sports team as dominant, as impressive in brushing aside another world-class team as, as what England did to, did to Australia that day when Joffre Arch got Aaron Finch first ball and then England just from there sort of summarily went and destroyed them both with bat and ball in the field and there's that shot there's one shot that's always stuck in my mind Jason Roy walking at Stark and punching him on the up to extra cover and it was just this stroke of utter authority that you would never have got from a a previous England team thinking that you walk at the strike bowler in ODI cricket and and just play proper strong cricket shots and that all that was all I mean that was all that that was all from Morgan it all stemmed from Morgan there's a shot that it's a shot that's always stuck with me from Morgan in 2010. It was my, I mean, 2010, the T20, the World T20 win, when it's Ravi Rampal who's sort of bowling over the wicket at him toward the back end, back end of the innings. And he sort of, it's not quite a reverse sweep, it's sort of like a reverse flip. It's like it, it was the, it was the shot that christened all the hurling chat. And he very much just sort of reverse flipped it over short third, or over short third in a way that I think they flat, I remember it, the, the cameras sort of panning to poor Collingwood on the sidelines, just laughing. And, he was so ahead of his time and and in a way might still be ahead of his time in ahead of his time in understanding that now is the moment. I think, you know, I, I don't think anyone, regardless of the form he was in, going you know, this summer, last summer, going into this 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 autumn, I don't think anyone would, would truly have begrudged him going out on his own terms and with a you know, having challenged for another World Cup. But there's been said a lot, I think, the last few days that actually what he's done is is very much a mark of everything we've come to expect in the last seven years that there is as, as warm I think as he can be he that there's always been a ruthlessness that England team isn't there and that's what's made them what they've become and and he's and to be fair he always said I will not outstay my welcome and I think that, I imagine the hardest the hardest bit of saying something like that is, is knowing that you've got that end of the bargain to keep up and no and for, yeah just you know seriously fair play to him for for both recognising that it was time but also not you know for not keeping that to himself and for just you know going out on it would have been lovely if he'd had almost like a testimonial style ODI appearance against against India wouldn't it, in a way but to properly go out in front of everyone and you know hopefully I think he's going to be disguised and he's, so hopefully there is a, a moment when he's out on the field and gets that acclaim but but yeah I mean going back to where I started with on, on this this rambling point I I do genuinely think he's created one of the very very few world class sports teams that England's England national sport has ever had, and, and beyond the trophies and everything, it's been seven years of watching the most outrageous cricket. Yeah, but I do think you know he's he's left it in a position to somehow go beyond that. Uh, I I think you're absolutely right. There's there's so much that comes to mind when you're thinking about you know around the edges. I, I'll give you a couple of examples. First off, I think he was unfortunate. You know, we won, and also let's not forget he won the World T Twenty as a player. You know, so yeah, twelve years and, ago. But also, what's What's fascinating, what's easily forgotten somehow is that Morgan, I think Morgan first played for Ireland, in, I think 19 years ago. So uh, for, for a start, I thought it was actually quite a strangely nice symmetry in, in finishing with a series against the Associate side and against the captain, Peter Seeler, who, who played a lot of cricket against, I think, as a 15-year-old, let alone a 
30, 34, 35 year old. So it's worth remembering his journey because it just feels like he's ticked every single box from playing social cricket for Ireland to coming over playing for Middlesex to playing county cricket. So it's, he's got he's got two test hundreds, I think. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just done it all, and I it would be lovely if he had a really good hundreds and sort of rediscovered that for me. It'd be really, really nice to end the summer in a place where you could almost go, God, you know, maybe he could have kept going. Because actually, Owen Morgan going a couple of months without a run was never really a weird thing, was it? He was, he had that uncanny ability to just flick a switch and go from being a no-nick at all to, to really good nick. And, you know, that Afghanistan 100 in the World Cup was, I remember him saying at the time, he sort of surprised himself. He thought he was almost, not quite the bus driver, but, but the guy in that team who didn't necessarily have you know, the, the 17 sixes and innings in, in, in innings in him. I always remember his part in the 481 against Australia, the, the 67 off 25, was it? England's fastest 50 at the time. Came out from ball one, just smoked it. And it's, it, it's mad, it's mad to, when you actually sort of strip it down, isn't it? In terms of all, you know, in terms of the actual extent of what's achieved, goes well beyond well, a couple well that, of World Cups. Well, and, and as I was saying, it could have been more than that because, look, for Carlos Brathwaite doesn't do what he does in 2016 and, and Ben Stokes doesn't just miss his line a length by an inch or two then you might say to you in that press conference I, I wasn't there but I think one of his regrets from that from the Stokes Brathwaite final was always that he didn't slow the game down wasn't it? and that he yeah. and actually so as a captain to come out of that and think god maybe it was me who got it wrong why well, you can't defend and, 19 off 6 you know that it's a, I, I say once again I think it's a mark of well, the also, excellence that he's they got to the semi-finals of the 2021 World T20 with yep. a side short of five regulars and the fact that there was no T20 between 2016 and 2021 because of a, a various yeah. pandemics and scheduling ridiculousnesses 2017 mm. you know semi-final again and the champions trophy so yeah. so really actually he could have walked away with a couple more and mm. and, and and few would begrudge it the other yeah. thing I found absolutely fascinating was listening to Maureen Ali talk about Owen Morgan, this was actually before he'd retired. He was basically on Test Match Special and they were playing a little package from the World Cup and Jonathan Agnew turned to Mo and said, that must be a bit bittersweet hearing that because, of course, Moeen was dropped yeah. for the last couple of games. And Moeen was like, and I believe Moeen because you can hear he's mm. a natural guy. And he was actually just like, no. He was like, no, mm. not at all. I, I mean, obviously I was disappointed not to play, but... Owen was always very much what's best for the team is what we do. And it was best for the team I didn't play. I understood the reasoning for that. And at the end of the day, they won. So mm. I was part of the journey and part of the reason we got to the final. And I'm, I'm happy with that. that I, I think it's also rare. In, in, it's rare in international sport. I think certainly one day, certainly white ball cricket, where, where you've got the cycle of World Cups and, and T20 World Cups and Champions Trophies. But I, I think it's a, a really impressive thing to to have created a team that plays in such a way that actually, obviously, obviously the World Cups matter, but you know, bilateral cricket can get pretty repetitive, kind of pretty dull. And, yeah. But to but to prevent that from happening, and the context of England playing of, ODI, of England playing, playing ODI cricket for me is always the last couple of years really has been a case of can they back first? Can they back first? If they can back first, how many can they get? What can they push themselves towards? You know, and to get to that point is. Yeah, it feels quite remarkable. Race to Australia. 
Okay, so we talk about the strength of the English side and the one that he leaves is uh, certainly stronger than the one he picked up, isn't it, back in 2015? Mm. Um, although, look, go back to 2015, you know, that was a side that left that dropped Ben Stokes. Admittedly, he had been on a horror run. I don't think they played Jason Roy. I mean, there were players to come in, but there's players to come in now, aren't they? I mean, everybody wants to be in the uh, a limited overs cricketer these days. The one name that really stands out, and I'm sure the uh, the listeners... Uh, would uh, would love to know a little bit more because you've got a fascinating story, Richard Gleeson from Lancashire. So, what can you tell us? Um, they're right. He's, he's a he's one of the good stories and one of the good guys as well. He he's actually one of a few that Northamptonshire sort of picked up on not on a whim, but but out of less traditional paths into the game. If you Jack Brits was another example, and Curly Jack White is somebody they've, they've taken on now. But um, but Gleeson, I guess, is Gleeson. You probably say has gone. I mean. Obviously, being in the squad and being a couple of squads before, it probably gone the furthest of of that group. But he he only made his I mean, he made his first class debut, and I think it was twenty fifteen, I think seven years ago. And he's we talking about a talking about a thirty four year old from <laughs> from from Blackpool. So we're not talking about someone who's you know done the who did the traditional route and then you know has been in academy since the age of eighteen nineteen. He he's one of these guys that did, did all sorts of jobs, community coach work, but but also jobs went outside of cricket as well before sort of before getting his break and and I guess there's that part of the story but there's also I mean got into the professional game I think he played for played minor county cricket for Cumberland as it was as it was back then and and more recently he's and to be honest the most extra, I think the most remarkable of the story despite despite the backstory part of it as it were is that I think at the end of last season he was he was contemplating retirement he was in a position where his body was struggling problem, problems he was having back problems he, he really struggled he went from a position where he was part of that 2020 Back to cricket, England squad post lockdown, and as close as he'd ever been to an international call up to, to a place a couple of years on where he'd hardly, hardly played a game. But um, but he's just, he's just had a really good blast, coupled with the fact that, as I say, from that from that from what happened two years ago, he's, he's obviously always been on selectors' minds. He, he's a rare right arm seamer for England, which seems weird to say. But um, on the back of the, the left arm seam tour of the Netherlands, he, he's sharp. He's probably not as sharp as he was considered to be a couple of years ago. But he's no, he's had two really good years. I'm sorry, he's had a really good year this year in the Blast with Lanks, and and I think it probably helps. I mean, a really good year and a really good team as well. Might get you noticed slightly more than than others, but he's he obviously bowled that ball that, that secured the tie in the, in the Roses derby with when he had uh, Harry Brook LBW. But no, it's just a really, it's a really nice feel good story for a guy who has properly come into the game late and and has made his mark and say you know come back from a potential career ending injury and and yeah, good on him. I think it'd be. I, It'd be great if, he's, if he wasn't just in that squad, but got, but got a go as well. And of course, with Owen Morgan now not playing, there is a batting position that's opened up. And, mm. You know, looking at this, what is this? It's a three, five, three, five, 14 man squad. So you imagine Phil Salt, you know, he did himself no, no harm at all in the Netherlands mm. uh, and was, of course, in and around the, the team anyway. But how are we seeing, how are we seeing them line up? Still no. None of the multi-format players. So, well, it's interesting, it's interesting one, though, isn't it? Because so, I think Salt is likely to have two different roles on the two different interstate sides. I think I, I think we assume that that Butler continues to open the batting in T Twenty cricket because, I mean, he is that's risk. He's just had the best IPL of his life, and he's the form of his life. And and I think England will be mad not to. Um, I, th- I mean, I frankly think that should be penned in for, until the end of time. And we assume we'll open with Jason Roy. So I, I think I think we'll almost end up in a situation where. Salt is pot, and we assume obviously Dan Milan is at, is at three. So I think Salt probably is a is a straight swap for Morgan 
in this T- in this T20 side, as it were, with then Liam Livingston, Harry Brook, and then possibly Moen Ali at seven. Then you've got Sam, the possibility of Sam Curran at eight. So, but then again, the season that Sam Curran's had for Surrey with the bat, you, you know, you really could drop him in anywhere, couldn't you? So it was a match-up kind of player to go in and just whack spin straight, as you, as you could do with Moen Ali. So I think that's be interesting to see where Salt comes in, or or if he does come in with with, with a number of options. I think I think the ODI squad is probably slightly. <laughs> it sounds tough to say, but it, it, but does, does he does he keep his spot in the Netherlands where he obviously had this great tour? But England have England have lost Morgan, but they brought but they bring back the three multi format players in Stokes, Bairstow, and Root. So Milan on the back of Tartan loses his spot, which <laughs> which seems pretty brutal. But um, but that's Jay Root's role. So but Johnny Bairstow, we assume, will come back and open the back with, with Jason Roy in, in that in that limited oversight. Then you then you've got Root at three, and then 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 you've got a, a real. Then you've got a real um, a logjam. I mean, as as English white ball cricket's had for, for the last few years now, even even without Morgan, you've got what Butler, Moeen, Brook, Sam Curran, Livingston, Stokes, Salt, all to fit into that what four to seven kind of spot. So, and given that England have picked these multiple white players in the squad, you assume that Ben Stokes is going to play. There's no point having there if he's going to be you know rotating in now. So, God knows. I mean, do, do you think? I don't know. Does he? It'd be pretty harsh if Phil Salt wasn't to start the, the ODI summer in the UK, but, but that's sort of where they are. I mean, what do you I mean, I don't know? What do you reckon? Like, is he is he a shoe in for you, or or does he have to bide his time? And is he and, and is he the reserve opener? No, I I agree. I think he plays. I've been very very impressed by Phil Salt, and I think he plays. I think essentially you do get to a point where someone's got to be in possession. Mm. You know, it's not like he's coming for one game. You know, it's tough, end, isn't it? Because he's only in possession series. because they've rested others. He's not in possession yeah. because of Johnny Bairstow's form or because of Ben Stokes' form. Or, um, no, true, is... true. But I mean, I'm talking about for this. I mean, look, they, when, have they got any more? They've got the South Africa series. Oh, yeah. I mean, are Stokes and Bairstow going to play in that? I don't, I don't I, know. I, I'd I doubt, be surprised. I doubt, they... I doubt they will. It doesn't really make much sense, does it? Stone not Stone. I'd be surprised if Stone does. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me as much. Bear Stone could do. But... Could do. Maybe they want to free, keep them free for the hundred. I'd like to think also that England. The Bears was a tough one, wasn't it? Because you know Johnny, Johnny Bears. There won't be many players who've been messed around quite so much in their international careers as, as Bears. And I think. Yeah. True. I think true. it would be tough on him. It would motivate him certainly, but it'd be tough on him. Were his involvement in the Test series at the same time in the Netherlands series, in which he did also have the series of his life, was held against him in in the selection of a white ball side. I, yeah, I can but see I don't why know if it would be held. I can against see him. where they fit sort you know in. Yeah, I can see where they fit sort into middle order to a point, but then that. But once again, there is an enormous logjam there, and and I'm not really sure who he plays ahead of. But it may well just be a case that he. He's established himself as the as the third opener, as the, as the reserve opener, and that is not a bad spot to be in. With you know, Jason Roy's had a few injuries over the years, and then, and ultimately that there will be a new cycle really post twenty twenty three as well, won't there? So if he, if this is a case of look, we know you can do it, but you're gonna have to bide your time kind of thing, then maybe that's not the end of the world. Um, certainly not the end of the world, but maybe that is where they stand. So I guess the one thing that you know, Morgan was very big on, I'm sure Josh Butler will be very big on, is is that sense of loyalty. So. Mm. And as I say, the guys who sort of came in for us have done nothing wrong. And but then again, you've got a new coach, and whether whether Matthew Mott sees well, so that's another very interesting player. point, actually. That's so, um, a very interesting point. What what does Matthew Mott think of all this? Is he, you know, I think he, I, I think Matthew Mott man? can't believe it. I, I would guess Matthew Mott can't believe his luck. I mean, that is yeah, it's he's got 
there are obviously things that they could that England can work on as a side, but but I would suggest that none of those things are to do with the top seven. So I this first game the job, they break a world record. So Well, yeah, um, exactly. And also like the relationship between Matthew Mutt and Owen Morgan, that could have become a problem. Could have. I mean, I'm not it could have done if Morgan. Yeah, I think it's actually why Morgan's been very um, I, th- I don't think it would have surprised many people if Morgan had sort of immediately become a mentor or an assistant to that idea, to that, to that white ball side. But actually the fact that he said I'm stepping away yeah. and do some sky work, not going to go to the World Cup yeah. in any capacity, yeah, or sorry, yeah, encouraging yeah. capacity, I think is quite significant for, but it's an interesting one. It's, you know, it doesn't often happen in sport that you are coming in as a head coach, as Matthew Mott is, or as a captain, as Joss Butler is. You are not coming into a side that's in disrepute or, or that needs you know, severe repairing or, or, or that is at the start of a new cycle. They are stepping into their two roles at a point where England are the best white ball cricket team in the world with an inordinate number of options. And guys who, you know, I'm off to, we're obviously recording on Friday, I mean, I'm, I'm off to see Middlesex play Somerset tonight. And, you know, I, Will Smead in any other era would be England's next big thing as a 20 year old who's, you know, who's almost certainly in any other era been given a go as, you know, England's, England's, you know, the guy showing the way forward. Whereas actually, now he is, I don't know, God knows, he could be eighth in line, tenth in line. He could be, could be even lower than that. And yet he's this absolute gun 20-year-old. But there are but there are so many of them now. And, you know, there's no guarantee that Harry Brook plays, despite how, despite him being in both squads and having made his debut in the, in the Caribbean earlier this year. So, yeah, you know, the sort of crowd control might be, might be Mott's biggest challenge with the bat. I mean, with the ball, there are certainly things they can work on. And great chance for that well, Important chance like Matt Parkinson with Adil Rashid's um, oh, I was on the harsh ask, pilgrimage. And... I was going to ask about that. Do you foresee uh, an argument for essentially Liam Livingston playing as second spinner, essentially? Being they've got so much batting already, I don't think they're ever going to, you know, well, no, I don't think... They can, that would free up another bowling pos- position. Oh, I see what you mean, rather than, a, I thought you were going to talk about <laughs> getting another batter. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> Theoretically, yes, but I, I think, and obviously, Moeen will play as well as another spin option, and yeah, it could, it could, it could well happen. I, especially if you've got Joe, is, especially in the ODI side. I know Parkinson's in the T20. Well, uh, no, what, Liv- yeah, no, Livingston yeah, in the ODI side. What I would say is, you have Root, Livingston, and Ali. Yeah, I mean, what I'd say is they will cut, and I can see, I can see that happening, and I can, I can see them being tempted. I think what's difficult is there comes a time when they're going to need to give Matt Parkinson a, a proper go. You know, he got three ODIs against Pakistan last year because everyone else got COVID. Yeah. You know, that is not, that we're not talking about, you know, someone given an opportunity. You know, he got a test debut this year because Jack Leach banged his, banged his head. You know, he got a couple of T20s in New Zealand back in 2019 because England only took two of their World Cup squad, I believe, on that, on that white ball tour. There comes a time when... You've got to, and it's not it's not just about judging him or trialing him or making decisions on him. It's you there comes time you've got to give people a go and they've been around the setup for for as long as he has. And there will come a, because because there will come a time when Adil Rashid, you know, when his when his shoulder flares up again, or you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, we just get we just get to a point eventually where Adil Rashid retires from international cricket and he's not young. He is he made his he's been playing international cricket obviously on and off since I think about 2008. So I think it'd be really hard on Parkinson, the same way that I think it'd be hard on Bear, you know, sort of almost similar vibes to Bearstow, that what are England really achieved by leaving him out? Because ultimately, if Adil Rashid was there, Adil Rashid would be playing, and they wouldn't be having a chat about leaving Rashid out at the expense of Moeen and Livingston and Rue. And I'm obviously, look, Rashid's a better bowler than Parkinson is at the moment. You know, Parkinson's to be the 
Parkinson would be the very first person to say that. But I, I just think, I just think there comes a time when you've got to, when you've, when you've got to find out about people, you've got to give guys a go. And, you know, it, it, they didn't, it didn't happen. But if England in the UAE over the winter had succumbed to a Adil, Adil Rashid injury, let's say, in the T20 World Cup, then what would have happened? So they'd have had, you know, because they hadn't blooded anyone, whether it's Parkinson or, or Crane or even Liam Dawson, I think was among the reserves, but hasn't played for England for, for quite a while now. Um, you know, you need to give, you need to give guys a go. And so I, I would like to think that, that this is that this is that chance. But absolutely, if you're looking at a way of getting the options into the side, you know, especially if they want to, you know, limit Ben Stokes' bowling as well, I guess it's a way of getting another seamer. And if you decide that those three part-timers will do your jobs, the spinners, then I guess you could, you know, you could get Brian Cars or Sam Curran or, or Reese Topley or David Willey or whoever your, whoever your spare seamer is. I'd like to think it wouldn't happen because I really think Matt Parkinson deserves a proper go. But I, I, I yeah, there's, there is logic to it. That's all I ask, Nick. That's all I ask. <laughs> right, let's get on with the County Championship review and preview. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Moments of the week. Well, there were there were some stormy games this uh, this weekend. I think we need to start with that that absolute cracker of a match between Essex and Hampshire. You know that came that game could have gone either way. You know Hampshire always up against it, um, apart from first innings and then Essex about sixty or for six. But it was a battle between Harmer and uh, Hampshire's lower tail towards the end. It got very very close, but in the end, Essex saw it through. 
But there was some criticism about the pitch. It always seems yeah. to happen when a lot of wicket, a lot of wickets fall to spin or actually to pace at times as well. Uh, what was your what were your thoughts? Well, James Vincent had quite strong thoughts on it, didn't he? He effectively paid as a lottery and said that the way he sort of told his players to go out and play was to almost they had to attack because there was one with your neighbour. I think there was a lot of talk about the ball was used as well. If there was a I think I think Ron said they'd swap the ball and there wasn't anything of the same age. They gave him a slightly new one. I think Vince talked about it having writing on it when it was said it did all sorts. And uh, first and foremost, Simon, I mean, you know, Simon Harmon's not has been not been as prolific this year as in previous years. But I think I'm right in saying taking three fourteen for for Essex or three or four fourteen for Essex before the performance fifteen percent. Important not to conflate a wicket that's doing a lot. I still wasn't there as I've been I've been at the women's test um, down in Taunton, another ground that has had its history with. With pitches turning apparently too much, I think it's important to conflate. Not sorry, not to conflate rather. Um, pitch spinning a lot and, and a lot of wickets falling to spin, with high class spinners taking a lot of wickets on pitches that are spinning. And I think Harmer isn't Harmer. Harmer will always get extra bounce because of his height. He will always get these wickets in the county championships. He's a high class off spinner as he's shown over the last five six years. I think ten wickets falling to spin in the third in, third innings of a game and a game ending within three days. You would have to say, you'd have to say that's that's a lot going on. I mean, that's you know, Hampshire likes pick Felix Organ because he is an extra spin option, but it also means they don't have to. But he also bats, and it means he's obviously obviously open batting this game, so he adds a lot. But he doesn't. But crucially with Felix Organ, he doesn't always bowl. Doesn't and certainly doesn't always bowl very often or very long spells. But for Organ to be bowling, you know, first change and in the third innings of the game, taking three for and bowling, not quite unchanged, but bowling. I think it was, just, I think it was only Liam Dawson that needs to bowl more than him. Brad Wheel bowled one over in, in Essex's second inning. So I don't think it's up for debate that a lot was going on. Whether that's a problem, it's hard to say, isn't it? I, mean, I think when you pick one pitch out of isolation as well and looking at yeah, conditions as well, it, it's, it, you know, it's like you need themes, I think. Yeah, and especially especially in the year when the theme has been runs. So, yeah. You know, and, and frankly... I mean, I look, at, look at the Oval. What you know, I'm not going to go into the debate about what would you prefer, but if that happens every single week... Yeah. At a ground, then there's a problem. I know that there's lots yeah. of talk about oh, it trains up people to, you know, trains up bowlers essentially to, to have new ways of getting wickets and you know trains batters to bat long. I understand the argument, but you don't want that every single week, and you don't want no. happens at Chelsea every single week. But no, but you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to say you'd have to say this. This you know we're looking at two forty plays one sixty plays two twenty plays two eighty. Yeah, we're not so looking at we're not looking at seven versus exactly. We're not looking at I made I with a pink ball kind of thing. Yeah. Like it. And crucially, I, I, there is there is absolutely a, a valuable skill to be taken from a game like that. As, I mean, as a as a spinner, when the odds are in your favour, it's so. I think Jack Leach has been quite an interesting example over the last few years. And actually, the way that I mean, my personal view is that Leach, not so his development was stunted, but I think Leach became probably a different bowler in the in the couple of years when Taunton was considered to be Sizerbat because. There is more skill to it than just landing it, but a large part of the job was landing it and the pitch would do the rest kind of thing. And, but it's, that's not a bad skill to have, which I think is why Jack, one of the reasons Jack Leach has been so successful in the subcontinent, or more successful in the subcontinent, because actually he's he's been really well prepped for bowling on pitch that do offer him a fair bit. And until, ironically, until that any test, where obviously he took those 10 wickets on a pitch that didn't, didn't, didn't give him a great deal, he struggles... You know, I think that, that, that those num- you know, the, the numbers that go around about his first innings with second innings. It's almost like I, I've, also, I've sort of felt like his first innings numbers are slightly accentuated or have been affected, let's say, by playing on a pitch where actually you've not had to do a huge amount of holding. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. So there's absolutely something to be said for not wanting to play on raging turns the whole time for that reason that I think it can limit you slightly and suddenly you come up, come up on a flat one, you're slightly stuck. But at the same time, I don't think it's a bad thing once in a while for, for the game to be dominated by spin. You know, they're not, we're not talking about dark arts here. We're talking about off spin. <laughs> you know, like we're, like we're, you know, we're, we're talking, like genuinely we're talking about three, we are talking about, I think Dan Lawrence had a quick bowl as well, but when, but in the game, we're talking about four, well, yeah, with Dan Lawrence, we're, we're, we're talking about four bowlers who, sorry, four spinners, all of whom bowl finger spin, no deucers, no mystery to it. Talking about Liam Dawson, Liam Dawson, Simon Harmer, who bowl, both, both bowl at a very good pace for a first choice spinner in counter cricket. I think sort of the, they put revs on it, but they also drive it, not driving the surface, but they but, but they they bowl that similar Jack Leach pace actually, where where on pitch that are off you something, you'll get a lot out of it, you'll drive it into the pitch. Almost like sort of like or uh, Dawson's often riding a Panasar actually, way in the way that he right right in gather and release. And I think if I remember remember though that Mon, remember though that Monty went in in India, you know, he it was great to watch because he just got stuff out of the surface. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's a, as you say, it's a bad thing if if this happens for 14 games because then you've got Sam Cook bowling three overs <laughs> and not really required but I but actually the other thing to, the other guy to work certainly worth shouting out from that game and would be Aaron Beard he's had a really tough couple of years he's hardly played a game injury form everything I think a lot deserves him and I think he's yeah had really struggled but he went, went out on known Sussex earlier this season actually and came back and actually I watched him take Four for, I think it was against. Was it four for or two for? Two for, two for twenty odd against Middlesex. The blast. His first game. I say his first game for about two years. Followed up with four for, in, I think the next night. And and it's been nice to see someone who was really, really highly thought of when he first came through and has had his injury problems, but he's still he's still young. Really nice to see him. He took three for the second innings alongside. I think he took three weeks of the match, but it was alongside Harmer. And yeah, just just good to see. You know, well, there was a there was a team of playing that game as well. But nice. Nice to see him back doing well. Um, we don't talk about Sussex uh, for positive reasons in the four-day game, but they finally won a game and they chased down quite a total as well. So that's a bit mm. of a fill-up for them. Yeah, well, it sounds mental to say, but there are a couple of guys in that Sussex team who'd never won a first-class game before. Chat, uh, Chat Bricks, Jesus. Chat Bricks, been the one who has done. Arch Lenham, Arch Lenham, Danny Ibrahim, Sean Hunt, Ali Orr. I mean, that's four guys who've heard uh, Ollie Carter. That is that is half the team who wow. will never who have never won a first class match and but fair, fair play for them they did the hard way I mean they were they were 140 odd behind or more than that about 180 behind on first innings and and then Derby declared overnight and seven three forty to win the day and you you would think you would you would think there was probably one winner there maybe a draw but you, you probably wouldn't have expected Sussex to chase that down in 70 odd overs before the second year ball so led by Ali Orr actually and it's, it's funny because. In among Sussex's rebel struggles in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk about Tom Haynes as the, as the one to watch. And he's don't get me wrong; he's had two very good years, and I think he's a very, I think he's a pretty impressive young skipper as well, despite results. Just just the work he's had to do in very trying circumstances. And I think it's something like the the last, I think it's something like the side that won their last game three years ago. I reckon about nine of them left the county. No, oh no, eight of them left the county, and one of them, Will Beer, who is still the county, is now on a T20 only deal. So. A lot has changed, and a lot, it's a lot for a young skipper to have to put up with. But actually, Ali Orr at the other end, if you speak to guys around the game and around the county, he is of equal excitement. Another left-hander, slightly taller, authoritative. I mean, that was 140-odd of 200 balls, six sixes, 15 fours. 
he's a, he's a really, really he's, he looks a really good player. And he's, I think he's a year younger than Tom Haynes as well. So actually for all the, I know we chatted on, in fact, we chatted on the show a couple of weeks ago about how, about the dangers of throwing a load of kids in to lose together, basically. And um, we did it all, but, uh, but I think it was George who was talking about this, but it also made the valuable, the very, very valid and relevant point here that there was a lot of individual talent and, or Haynes, in fact, all those guys, Dan Ibrahim is the youngest scorer in first class, uh, county championship last century ever in this country, obviously in this country. Um, Ollie Card's got a big 100 a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, Archie Lennon has done what he's done the blast. And also, looks a really solid batter. And he's sort of working his way up the order gradually as he as he grows. And, yeah, so I think a really important result, not in the context of the season, they're not going to get promoted, they're not really they're not in the picture, but a really important result for a team that, as we, as I said, as we said before, if if you just get used to losing, that's what that's all you know how to do. But Mohamed Rizwan scoring 180 or get runs in the game, being not out at the end, being there to guide players, and that, you know that's what him and Pujara bought in for early season. Actually, to be fair to Sussex, their issue this season never really been with the bat. Was not mainly been with the bat anyway. Tom Allsop has been a pretty pretty smart recruit as well from from Hampshire. Got yeah, I think it was 50 odd for him in that in that chase as well. So no, I mean who knows what it'll lead to, but. But I just think ticking that box, ending that run was it's a thousand plus days we're talking. So, uh, I mean that that's a long time. <laughs> Archie Lenham was probably still at primary school when. I thought you were going to say all born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, look, we're running out to, of time for the show. But uh, any other performances of note uh, and a quick chat to, about Vitality Blast, of course. I tell you what was interesting. There was there was um. It's a, so it's, it's really it was a real it was a it was a weird quirk. Couldn't get my words out. It was a weird quirk from the round. There were a lot of teams behind who I don't. I try to remember what the weather was like for for those few for those sort of second couple, sort of days three and four. But but everything seemed to flatten out, didn't it? Like Glamorgan were miles behind in the game against Worcester. Chase three thirty odd seven down. Billy Root actually serious not and ninety nine not out. Obviously, what Sussex did against Derby, Middlesex were. 150, 200 runs behind against Jens Knotts and then batting second were 260 for one when they, when they call time on it. Gloucester have been in that position a few times this season. We've been just a bit behind on first innings and have crumbled second innings. But they pretty comfortably got out of that. Likewise, North Hands lost a couple of early ones, then put on 200 odd for the, the third wicket. Surrey, obviously, had Kent following on, then Kent wrapped up 360 before. It was, it was very weird because there were a lot of games that were going to force results quite easily. But by the end, actually, you'd have needed a fifth, a fifth and a sixth day, I think, to to create something. So, but no, I mean, a lot of runs all around. I think that that Middlesex opening pair of Robson Stoneman continues to impress. They've both got tons. Uh, Ryan Rickleton, actually, who's new, who's new at Northants, who's come in as, as an overseas, um, highly rated by Ricardo Vasconcelos, actually, as much as anyone. The, the Red Bull skipper got a ton, batting at three. But some bizarre games. I mean, Ben Duckett got a wicket by the end. Michael Burgess, the Warwickshire keeper, had taken a wicket. It was was that kind of I think I think not I think Notts went through eleven bowlers quite early. Um which is always good to see. But yeah, um and then for the blast it's a we're into, we're into sort of I mean this is the we are we are into it's sort of squeaky bump time, isn't it? Kind of well, big weekends, big three days. It, it is, it is. I mean the North Group, we're recording this on Friday morning, you know, two points separating the top five. And uh, even Surrey have had a little bit of a wobble. I tell you what, so I was at, I was commentating for Surrey's stream or whatever they call it mm. for the game where Conor McCurr smashed Peter Siddle who was on a hat trick through the course yes. before last ball of the game it was incredible I was listening and, to you oh good and then uh, then they lost two on the bounce and to be honest with you when I was looking at the team 
a side that hadn't lost all season in any format. I, did, I was looking, they'd lost like eight players for a yes. variety of reasons. And it does get to the point where you're looking down the team with him. How is this team unbeaten? Yeah. And, and so it proved, really. I mean, they, they arguably could have got something out of both matches, but didn't necessarily deserve to win either. Um, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we are, I think we talked about this right at the start of the comp, actually, that the difference this year is that it didn't really matter when you had your blip. If that makes sense, you could win nine in a row and then. I think in it. some ways um, having a blip is now is a good thing as well, rather than the well, quarterfinal, semi-final stage. Yeah, but yeah, I guess the slightly interesting thing is that because because the way the, the comp is formatted this year, there isn't necessarily the well, there certainly isn't the same gap between group stage and quarterfinals. So this year, momentum and you know, depend. You know, I know not all coaches believe in it, but um, but for those that do. I think the momentum is more valuable this year because you are going because if you can if you can if you start if you start poorly in the group stage and, yeah. found a way, and have found a way of getting through, take Hampshire for example, who started who started really poorly. If they can squeeze out the squeeze out the South Group and then sort of feel like they've got nothing to lose, but then but then also have a game three days later in a format when they've you know when they've actually started going pretty well, then there is yeah you know, you know suddenly they probably become slightly more dangerous to to Surrey than they would have done. You know, in previous years when there was a three-week break for sorry to take stock, and obviously, you know, they've lost Karen Pollard, who actually, despite his numbers not being spectacular, I get the sense that he had a pretty big, big impact. If, if nothing else, just on the team sheet, you know, yeah, teams, looking, teams rocking up and seeing Pollard at seven. Yeah, um, I would to counter though the fact is, sorry, have got Reese Topley back. Yes, they've got the uh, Jason, Jason Roy. Roy was back. I don't know if he's Jamie Overton's back. Um, Sam Curran's with them. Sam Curran will them. be there or thereabouts so you know a chance for them just to uh to take start also i think they're playing kent tonight who are bottom of the table so hopefully a win there from uh from a sorry perspective nick champions um, champions kent yeah very champions strange kent. very strange yeah. well there's a story for another day uh nick thanks so much for your time matey uh you have no a good week uh, where you are you going to be this week where's your, what's your uh, i'm at lords this evening and i am that is a very good question i'm going to look at, this, look at my schedule as i'm answering this question um don't know. <laughs> I'll be somewhere. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm... well listeners, you can find out next week uh, mm. where Nick Friend ends up. That's uh, that's enough to, to have them coming back in droves, I'm sure. I can see Nick's face and he's literally trying to work it out. Uh, Nick, you take it easy. I'll see you next week. But uh, thanks for listening to Following On County Cricketer. Well, that's it for another edition of Following On. Thanks uh, for listening. And if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe, feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at cricket underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmison, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. The Following On podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. 
Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 